Good morning. It is a pleasure to be here at our home church. It's just honestly one of the things that we miss when we're in Japan, besides the people, is the singing. And I don't know if you've ever sat up front here, but you really should give it a try sometimes. Hearing everybody behind you sing is wonderful. We appreciate you guys so much. Thank you for your love and support of us in Japan. And uh, we hear from many of you on a regular basis, and we appreciate that greatly. Today, I get the opportunity to share God's word with you. And that is a great opportunity, but I don't take it lightly either. One of the good parts about being a guest speaker is I kind of get to choose what I speak on, and I don't have to worry about a series or topics or things like that. And so I want to talk about Psalm 23 today, because that is a passage that God has used greatly in my life over the last few years. And I figure if God's using it in my life, he can use it in yours too. In fact, often I find that when God's working in my life, he's working in those around me in similar ways too. And so... I want to talk about Psalm 23, but before we talk about Psalm 23, we're going to talk about vending machines. In Japan, vending machines are everywhere. I mean, we are talking, if you're walking down a residential area, you will still find vending machines. You can find almost anything you want from a vending machine. I've seen newspapers, I've seen umbrellas, I've seen clothes, technology, Drinks. I've seen um, ice cream, as you see in the picture. You can find anything from a vending machine. And it's so nice because you just put in your money and you select exactly what you want and it comes out. And that's great. It's so convenient. As I've thought about vending machines, I started wondering, though, you know, is God a vending machine? And I think everybody in this room would probably say, uh, no, that's heresy. <laughs> but then I wondered, do we treat God like a vending machine? You know, we do those good things that we need to do, like go to church or read our Bible. And then we pray to God for the things that we want and we get them, right? I think that's the way we kind of act. But then, what if something goes wrong? Have you ever had it at a vending machine where you put your money in, you push the button, and it gets stuck? And you get angry, you get upset, you get frustrated, you, okay, you know, there's a number on the side of the machine. Do I call them? Do I talk to the store? Do I just say it's not worth it and walk away? Well, what about when we've done all the right things? We've done what God asks, and we say our prayer, and we don't get it. Well, let's see. I usually get frustrated, maybe get a little angry, uh, sometimes maybe just kind of walk away. What does the Bible say about God? Does God, does it, does it call God a give any machine? Do we 
say we should treat him like a vending machine? And as I thought about that, I thought, you know, there's this famous passage in Psalms that we talk a lot about, written by a man named David, who would later become king of Israel. And in the beginning of Psalm 23, he says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He calls God a shepherd. And we could say, well, of course, David didn't know about many machines. <laughs> That's recent. But I want to see how David describes his shepherd. What does a shepherd do? Does he act like a vending machine? So, does God really act like our shepherd? That's the question for today. Psalm 23, verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. So when it says he makes me lie down, he's not saying this is some force, something that he's commanding. It's more of compelling. He is leading. He is making it seem so good. He wants to bring us to these pastures. As we think about green pastures with still waters, this is a paradise for sheep. It's a place with plenty of food to eat. Good, nourishing food. It's a place that has water that isn't dangerous. No sheep is going to fall in and get washed away in the river. It is calm. It is easy for the sheep to come and take a drink. This is what the shepherd does. He takes them to places that are good for them, beneficial. In a lot of ways, this is a restful place. It is a place where the sheep can come, eat their fill, get their drink. They can rest. Find rest in the shepherd. In a lot of ways, I think of this as kind of like a Sunday afternoon. You go home, you go somewhere, you have a nice meal, you are full. You've had plenty of whatever drink of choice you like. It'd be water in our house. That's what we prefer. But you go, you are satiated. You sit down in a nice chair and you suddenly an hour's gone by that you didn't know. You've fallen asleep. You've gone to your bed. You've taken a nap. You've had that rest. Find rest in the shepherd. This is something that he provides. It doesn't always look like a nap. I'm sorry, you won't get a nap every day in the afternoon. Or at least if you do, tell me your secrets. But there is the spiritual rest. There is the trusting the shepherd, seeking his help, just getting that rest, taking the pause and thinking of him. But, you know, doesn't a shepherd do more than just bring sheep to a good spot to eat and drink and get rest? Well, yes, let's keep reading what David says. He restores my soul. There's actually some debate here on the meaning of this, because the word soul can mean soul like we think about it, or it can talk about life, because you need a soul for life. And so I think David's kind of got something going on here of a little bit of two different ideas. 
So there's one idea of kind of like the rescue of a lost sheep. A sheep has gone out. It is away from the fold, and the shepherd will go rescue them and bring them back. But then there's also the idea of a shepherd who heals the sheep. The sheep has something wrong with them physically. They may be sick. They may have broken legs. Whatever it may be, the shepherd helps heal them, bringing them back to physical health. I think what the idea that David is getting at here is that the shepherd provides salvation. Find salvation in the shepherd. There are many faces I don't know. And really, that's great. I'm glad that Maranatha is growing and that there are so many people here that I've barely had the chance to meet, and we would like to meet you. But I don't know where you're at. There may be some of you who right now have gone away from the shepherd. You have turned and walked away, thinking that things you've done, whether that's now or in the past, or the way you are, that you can't go to the shepherd. You have to be away from him. But no, you can find salvation. You can come back. He will draw you back. Some of you may have never known the shepherd. You really don't know who God is. You're not a Christian. Either you claim to be a Christian and you're not, or maybe you'd say, I'm not a Christian. You know it. There is nothing in your life, there is nothing you have done or ever could do that you cannot turn to the shepherd for salvation. Through Jesus' death on the cross, all sins can be forgiven. Everything can be wiped clean so that you can have a relationship with the shepherd. So that you can spend your life as one of his sheep. And that may sound weird, but it's one of the best things, if not the best thing in the world. Possibly the only thing better than that is spending eternity with him as your shepherd. For others of you, maybe this world is just beating you down. You are hurting, whether that's physically, whether it's sickness, something that's happened to you, or it's just this sin-cursed world is becoming so much in your life and you're just not sure how to take the next step. God wants to help you. He wants to shepherd you. Let him do it. Turn to him. Turn to those around you who are also following him. You can find salvation. He will help. As we continue, kind of have to ask, couldn't God be hired help rather than a shepherd? Hired help can lead the sheep. Hired help can heal and rescue sheep. Well, let's keep going with what David says. He continues, He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
He leads me. What I like about that is it's not he sends me or he directs me, but it's he leads me. That means he is with us. In the path of righteousness is what is right, especially with, in relation to God. What is the right way to go? He leads us down the right path. But what I find interesting is the next verse. Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Wait a minute. Did David get lost? Because he's supposed to be on the right path, and suddenly he is walking through the valley of the shadow of death. We think that this isn't a real place. We think it is more of a metaphor. It is a place that death is looming over you. You are in its shadow. This is a scary place, a bad place. This is the place where things happen. You do not want them to happen. And why is David there? Did the shepherd let him go and he's lost? I don't think so. Because a good shepherd leads me in the paths of righteousness. And the scary, hard part is, sometimes the paths of righteousness are through the valley of the shadow of death. And I'm seeing many nods, and I think many of you understand that. When we are following God's leading, we will go through the valley of the shadow of death. And what is incredible and encouraging to me is the next phrase, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. So often when we're going through the valley of shadow of death, we feel like we are all by ourselves. And I'm thankful we are not because our shepherd leads us. And sometimes I've had to tell myself that because it's not something I've felt. It's something I know is true and I need to tell myself that. When it talks about the rod and your staff comforting, the rod was the tool there on the bottom used more for defense. So the shepherd could defend the sheep from predators. It was to attack. The staff was more for the shepherd. It was used for walking to keep him steady. So what David is saying here is, it is, God, as our shepherd, is a protective, sure-footed shepherd. We don't have to worry about what happens to us in the valley of shadow and death because he will defend us. He will protect us. He is not going to slip up. He will be sure-footed. He doesn't make mistakes. He will lead us on the right path. Find guidance in the shepherd. My life as a Christian has not been as long as some of you. 
but I can tell even in my life that God has always guided. Even in the darkest times, he takes us step by step. He leads us the right path. And every time I can look back and say, that might not have been the way I would have chosen, but I'm thankful that God was there and he knew what he was doing. Because we serve a good shepherd that will protect us and will not make mistakes, even in the darkest times. And he is not a hired helper because no hired helper would go through the valley of shadow of death with us. They would run. They would flee. They would go find somewhere else to work. But a shepherd will stay with his sheep. But does God really care for his sheep like a shepherd? Isn't he just off in the sky somewhere? Not interacting? At this point, David does a shift. He starts introducing an extra topic here. He starts talking about being a host in many ways. I think he's still talking about being a shepherd, but he's added this extra element to it. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. David starts out by explaining that uh, God prepares a table in the presence of mine enemies. This is not the place you usually would have a table. Another way of thinking it would be if I told you that I was making a five-star meal, one of the best you've ever had, we are throwing this party and you are all invited. However, we are going to throw the party right on the Russian-Ukrainian border. You're still all welcome. And in case you're worried, I will protect you. Don't worry, I'll protect you from anything that comes up. And if you've got any sort of thoughts in your mind right now, you're looking at me and saying, no, you can't protect me. And that's okay, I understand. No, it takes somebody incredibly strong and in charge to be able to prepare a table in the presence of an enemy. And that is what God's saying our shepherd does, what David is saying our shepherd does. He is able to place a table here with the enemies on looking and say, come eat. Don't worry about them. You are welcome here. Come eat. Then with, you you anoint my head with oil. This was a common practice back in the area of the world where David was living. When somebody would come, you'd welcome him into your home and you would pour oil on their head to show that you cared about them, to add some extra fragrance, good fragrance in the air, to take care of them. It was a welcoming tool Welcome to my home. If we switch back to the sheep, you prepare a table in the presence of my enemies. Every shepherd goes and scouts out a new place. Is this a good place for the sheep? Is there food there? 
Are there dangerous animals? Is there a cliff that the sheep can fall off? They go and prepare those green pastures and still waters, making sure that it's safe. You anoint my head with oil. To this day, they still use oil on the heads of sheep. It's kind of a medicinal purpose to keep bugs away, to help with various things. It is still part of taking care of the sheep, welcoming us, welcoming the sheep. On top of that, the next phrase, my cup runs over. For me, I kind of lean towards not liking this. I don't like it when water spills or milk spills or things like that. It's a weird quirk of mine. But that's not what this is talking about. This is saying when you've got your glass and the host or hostess is saying, okay, let me know when, and they're pouring, and you go for a little while, and then they're like, okay, stop, and they keep pouring, and they keep pouring. Pretty soon the, the water, the drink is overflowing over. Like, oh, stop, that's way too much. And like, oh, don't worry about it. I have so much I am willing to share with you. This is nothing. You can have more than you want. I have that for you. And that is our shepherd. He supplies above and beyond what we need. At times, even what we want. He welcomes us. Find a warm welcome with the shepherd. This is kind of crazy for me to think about, welcoming the sheep in. Remember, we're sheep. That's what this whole thing is about. Yet, we are welcome. Again, there is nothing you can do to God to anyone, that God will not welcome you into his presence. Again, that's something else that I have to tell myself. Because when we sin, when I sin, there's that element of I don't deserve to be with God. I don't deserve his forgiveness. And yet, He welcomes us. In Japan, I've been amazed at some of the welcomes that we've gotten. There was one time that we were, it was around around New Year's time, and we got invited to a, there's a a young lady in our church that her family is non-Christian. She's the only Christian in her family. And her family found out that we were foreigners in Japan, and we had didn't really know much about the holiday customs. They're like, they need to come over for New Year's. And we knew New Year's was a big thing there, but we didn't realize quite how big at that time. And so we're like, well, you know, we're kind of busy, but... uh." And one of the veteran missionaries, we were talking with them about it. They're like, you go. This isn't... You clear your schedule and you go. This is huge. You don't invite visitors to, I mean, to New Year's. You go to this. And so we did. And we get there, and there is a table that is filled with food for 
less than 10 of us. I couldn't have eaten my portion of it if I had been starving. It was more food than anyone can eat. They welcomed us into their home and showed us such generosity. I've learned a lot about hospitality from the Japanese people. I hope to be able to put it into practice more, but that's something we're working on. Find that warm welcome from the shepherd. If humans can give that warm of a welcome, imagine what our God can do. But will the shepherd abandon me? I think that's a question in the back of many of our minds. David, in verse 6, begins, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. When I was young, I used to think that it was surely goodness and mercy that were following us. I've learned English better since then. But for sure, goodness and mercy will follow us. Goodness here is very similar to what we think. Good things. What is good? Mercy is not receiving what we deserve. And I want to clarify, just in case, when it says that they will follow us, this is not meaning that they're always going to be 10 steps behind us and we never see them. It's more of the idea of a company. They will be with us. They are our companions all the days of our lives. And that's comforting. All the days that we live. But then, just in case you're wondering, well, what about after this life? And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Which, remember, we are still talking about sheep. I don't know about you, but I would not want sheep living in my house. Outside, that's one thing, but not inside my house. And yet we serve a Savior that will let us, sheep, dwell in his house forever. That is our shepherd. That is our assurance. Find a future in the shepherd. Both in this life and after Our shepherd will care for us. He will take care of us. We've talked about today, find rest in the shepherd, find salvation in the shepherd, find guidance, a warm welcome, a future. This is our shepherd. This is our God. And I kind of wish there was just some way to summarize this, something that would put this all into one nice little package that we can take with us. And I don't know if you've noticed, but I skipped something earlier. Let's go back to verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I don't know about you, but I have known this verse for 
many years. It was one of the first verses I think that I memorized as a kid. It is one that I've heard preached over many times. It is very familiar. But a few years ago, I was reading in a different version of the Bible, and it put it this way. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all I need. Now, I've known I shall not want, not forever, but most of my life. And I usually relate it to my wants. But to stop and read it and to see, I have all I need, was huge to me. At that stage, I was going through a lot of difficult things. I had a lot of complaints about things that were going on that were hard. I was complaining about why isn't there any other English-speaking Christians in our area? We live in Japan. I think most of you are aware of that. And our church is Japanese-speaking. There are very few people that can communicate in English. And so I was missing English fellowship. Our coworkers are about two hours away, and we were unable to really connect with them at that point for various reasons. And so, you know, fellowship is in the Bible. It is something we need. It is the purpose of the church. Why don't I have English-speaking people around to fellowship with? And then I read that. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all I need. And I realized, oh, if God is my shepherd, and I believe he's my shepherd, I trust that he's my shepherd, he has given me everything I need right now to do what he has asked me to do. And as much as I didn't like it, that means I did not need English fellowship right then. That wasn't easy. I was going through some health things at the time that were kind of interfering with some of the other work we were doing. And I'm asking God, why? What? I, I, need, I need that health. I need to be able to do what you've asked us to do. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all I need. I don't need that health right now now. And I won't go into the long list, but over the last few years, every time I reach the point where I'm like, Lord, I need, oh, I want that. It's not a bad thing, but my shepherd says, I don't need that right now. Okay, I can trust God. Because you see, the good shepherd provides perfectly. I shall not want, I have all I need, because the good shepherd provides perfectly. 
and that doesn't make it easy because we are human and it's sometimes often hard to trust. Now, the way God works, there is another element to it. Another thing I skipped, last one. Let's go back to verse 3. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. This is another part that I struggled with because I want it for my sake. I want what I want. It's not fair that it's for God's sake. Can't it be for my sake even a little bit sometimes? Can't it be me? And that's when I realized there's a problem with that. Because if God's always working for my sake, then maybe sometime for my sake, he's not working for your sake. For my sake, horrible things happen to you. God doesn't care for you. But when God is working for his sake and not mine, He does everything perfectly. He is not choosing favorites. He is not having to choose who or who. It's, this is for me. Because God is worthy of that. The creator of this universe, the king, he gets to do it for his sake. And you may say, that's still not fair. It's for his sake, but... What about me? The book of James, chapter 1. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. The thing is, when God works for his sake, it is working on us as well. It is for our good. Not necessarily what we want, but it will be for our good. And we can look back and say, okay, God knew what he was doing. But maybe you're still not convinced. We don't like trials. How can this be good? if I gave you an example? Something that God did for his sake. Because about 2,000 years ago, God sent his son to be born as a human, to take on the form of a man for his sake. 30 years later, a little over 30 years later, Jesus, his son, died on a cross a death he did not deserve to pay for our sins for God's sake. Three days later, Jesus rose again 
He came back to life, assuring that we can have eternal life, that we can live forever with him. Forever with our shepherd. Remember what we've been talking about, how great the shepherd is. All for the sake of his name. A good shepherd goes to any lengths to protect his sheep. Both because he loves them and because a good shepherd can't be a good shepherd if he doesn't take care of his sheep. We benefit from him and taking care of his name. And I wouldn't have it any other way. Our Savior, our Shepherd, our God provides perfectly. Trust him. Talk to him. And with those around you, here at church and with those around you in the area at fellowship churches and from across the globe over in Japan. Let's walk with him. I do want to take one sidestep here at the end. I'm a missionary. And there may be some of you sitting there going, okay, that was great. I love Psalm 23. Thanks for the message. But aren't missionaries supposed to speak about evangelism? Aren't missionaries supposed to speak about taking the gospel to other countries? Yes. Yes, we are. I think many times when we go to share the gospel, it goes something like this You need to realize you're a sinner. You need to ask God for forgiveness and to save you. And you get eternal life with him. That is very similar to a vending machine. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to spend my eternity with a vending machine. We've talked about God being a shepherd, an amazing shepherd, a shepherd that takes care of everything we need. Would you rather talk to people who don't know God and explain to them that he's a vending machine, giving you good things, what you want, or that he is a shepherd that can care for you? That is so much more attractive. I, would, I want to get to know. I want to get to know better my shepherd. A God who cares. A God who goes to extreme measures of sending his son to die for our benefit through his namesake. That is a God worth explaining to others. But that does take a lot of openness because the best places to show God's power, to show his shepherding in your life is when it's hard. Those times when things are going wrong and you want to 
pull out your hair, you want to scream, you want to run away, and you choose, no, I am going to trust my shepherd. Those are the times you share. Those are the times you let other people see and they go, how? How can you do this? And you say, let me show you your shep- the shepherd. He is my shepherd and he wants to be your shepherd. Let's look at what he does. Let's look at what he's done. Live your life following the shepherd. You will not regret it. And tell others about him and what he's doing in your life. Your testimony isn't just the day you were saved. It is your ongoing life. Share it with others. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you are a shepherd. I thank you that you walk with us. You don't send us alone. You go with us. Even when we can't feel it, I'm thankful that it's just that our feelings get twisted sometimes. They turn to other sources. But Lord, I'm glad that we can have confidence that you are there. Help us all to live our life with remembering you are a shepherd. Help us to remind each other of it. Help us to give aid through you to those around us. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.